listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Zisha. Yo. Alright man, so now that we're in the month of January, by the way, Happy New Year to those of you who all celebrate this, but it's a new year now. This is our first episode of the new year. And now that we're in January, it's time to start talking All-Stars. You know, obviously with the All-Star break, I believe a month away from us now, from the time we were recording, and now that voting is starting to heat up a little bit, it's time to give you guys our picks and our predictions for the All-Star teams for this season. Yeah, we're damn near at the halfway point of the season, pretty much. Almost, yeah. Um, And now we can really get a grasp on like who each player is in this season how they're performing, which teams are kind of looking like what. Um, unfortunately, again, like we kind of predicted, the season got somewhat murdered in that <laughs> middle stretch of, you know, December. The middle of December didn't happen. Yeah, That's let's, one... let's not think about that stretch, man. Um, those games were brutal, by the way. Just... They're still going on with some <clears throat> teams. Like the Utah Jazz are still suffering through. Well, they were the last team to actually suffer through that. Through like all the protocol madness, and you know now we're slowly starting to get back to whatever normal is now. Well, again, if you're like us and you live in uh, Toronto or like Ontario or even Canada, it's not normal at this point. Um, no, no, this and, is normal now. Well, yeah, unfortunately, this is uh, this this is literally normal. But what is what isn't normal? Well, actually, what is still normal is the All Star teams are still going to be in the same format as they've always they've been for the last I guess few three four seasons now since they introduced. Uh, the drafting process, but the starters are def- are going to be on a f- based on a fan vote and and the media. So it's kind of be a and, com- player. and players. So it's got a combination of all three. There's going to be two guards uh, and three forwards selected for the starters off the bench. They're going to be coaches and player votes. At the, at I the, believe it's only coaches. Coach, well, mainly coaches. But the, again, same thing. They get two guards, three forwards, but two wild card spots as well. And for this episode, we're going to be breaking down our Eastern Conference All-Star picks. And things have changed in the East. Like, I feel like in years past, it was a lot, you know, more difficult to predict the East All-Stars. You know, there was a lot more first-time All-Stars in those kind of situations. But now, since a lot more talent has kind of shifted between conferences, we're seeing a lot more repetition or more players who we thought would be would be here. Well, again, the East is the best it's been in over, like, 25 years basically and with that comes you know the dominating players who you know dominate each conference we've seen that in the western conference for a lot of time which is why in the east it was a bit harder to choose all-stars because nobody was really dominating like that now we have the players that we're going to talk about which a lot of them are basically staples in the eastern conference or you know however long they last in the eastern conference they will be staples in the eastern conference and speaking of our first <clears throat> guard spot for the starting for the starting lineup for the all-star for the east all-stars uh this was a no-brainer he was a perennial all-star when he was in the western conference and he will for sure be an all-star this year and we believe an all-star starter this year in the eastern conference and that's James Harden James Harden you know, you can say what you want about James Harden that you know he's not the same guy that he was in Houston, or he, you know, he's not as he, you know, he's on a Brooklyn team with Kevin Durant and a stacked team. But James Harden is still one of the best players in the league, one of the best players in the world right now. And even this season, he's really kind of tailored his game to now his new role, where now he's becoming that facilitator for the Brooklyn Nets. He's averaging about twenty-two points a game, eight rebounds, 
nearly 10 assists, like 9.7 assists per game, shooting about 42% from the field, 33% from three. The percentages, I agree, should be a lot better. But considering the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are the second best team in the Eastern Conference, James Harden being the de facto point guard with Kyrie Irving obviously having his whole situation happen, preventing him from playing, it does make sense that James Harden would, de- would for sure be an all-star this year. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think, misunderstood the fact that, you know, what his stats said for the season. First of all, he came in very injured. Obviously, last season was the most banged up we've ever seen. He was he was basically not even, even able to play the season. Yeah. Um, and coming into this season, he talked about how he basically didn't play any basketball for the whole summer. And obviously, as a result, he looked really rusty. And the factor in the new role as well, right? People are like, oh, he's not dropping 30 points a game. Well, he's not supposed to drop 30 points a game. That's why you have a guy like Kevin Durant there for. Um, that's why you're supposed to have a guy like Kyrie Irving there for. And now he will be there for half the games at least, right? So James Harden, his role is no longer to drop 30, 40 points as he did in Houston. His role is to be that triple-double type of guy. And that's exactly what he's doing. You mentioned he's averaging 10 assists a game, um, averaging 22 points a game, uh, and almost like, you know, double-digit rebounds almost. So he's kind of being, you know, that glue guy for the Brooklyn Nets, and he can very well function at, um, in that role. I and would it's think. not like he, James Harden has lost a scoring touch. Like we had the privilege of actually seeing James Harden play in person, uh, you know, in a, in a trip that we made to New York. But you know, the fact of the matter is, when James Harden wants to turn it on, he can still turn it on. He's still one of the best ISO scorers of this era, I would say. And, you know, he can, when he gets hot, like, the guy will still be able to drop 30 in his sleep. But, again, he no longer has to do that now in order for his team to win games, which is the big reason why people are, you know, kind of confused and why he would be an all-star. But no doubt about it, James Harden definitely should be an all-star starting guard spot. The second guard spot for the starting lineup, this one is, a lot of people are going to be surprised, but if you've been paying attention recently, you won't be surprised at all. The second guard spot we think will be going to DeMar DeRozan. Now, DeMar DeRozan has had a breakout year. I think this is a career year for DeMar DeRozan. No, it's definitely the best he's ever looked. He's, like, honestly, when he signed with the Bulls, we really sort of thought, like, we weren't sure how it was going to work. We weren't sure, like, how this was going to play out. But credit to DeMar DeRozan. He really has came in, come in this season and really took, a, took it upon himself to, you know, make this work, make this Bulls team work. And he's been a big part of it. His scoring has been great his clutchness has been great you know his even his playmaking is all at all-time highs like he's averaging 26 points per game five rebounds 4.7 assists per game shooting 49% from the field and 35% from three this is the best DeMar has looked in his career obviously you saw those back-to-back game winners which was insane for DeMar again first player in NBA history to do that yeah also, very difficult shots, too. Yeah. Like, bo- all contested. Like, and they were both threes. They were both threes. That's, that's like an indica- I think that's the biggest indication of what he's become this season. Yeah, yeah. it's like, he'll still shoot the mid-range, but it's not like he can't shoot a three. And that's the big thing for DeMar, where now defenses have to respect that ability that he has. But the big reason is that, again, the Bulls are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference at the time of this recording. And DeMar's performances have been the reason for that. Like, he's been sensational along with Zach Levine who we'll talk about a little later but with that the Bulls got the scoring punch of Levine and DeRozan they got the rebounding from Vucevic they got the playmaking from Lonzo it's kind of the best case scenario of what we thought this Bulls team was going to be 
after they were put together this past offseason. Yeah, well, and talking about playmaking as well, DeMar DeRozan's turned himself into an amazing playmaker, right? We saw him take that step in his final year in Toronto. He expanded that a lot in San Antonio. And now with another scorer like Zach Levine, who can he can playmake off of, now they have a lethal scoring duo, um, plus a third guy, Nikola Vucevic, who if he, you know, kind of gets more consistent, then you can see a real triple-headed monster. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we know the story of DeMar's defense. That hasn't seemed to have gotten really that much better. But when you have a two-headed monster defensively like Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball, who are wrecking havoc, especially Alex Caruso, who's, you know, a dark horse for defensive player of the year. The Lakers regret letting him go. The Lakers so really bad. regret letting him go. But it's just a very, very complete team. And when you look at guys like <clears throat> Javante Green, um, Ayo Del Sumo, these wing type of players that the Bulls have to surround Zach Levine, DeMar, the point guards, and Nikola Vucevic, if only they had Patrick Williams right now, but, you know, unfortunately he's injured. Um, but again, this is just a very complete team overall. And like you said, the best case scenario. And as a result, a guy like DeMar DeRozan is being able to thrive as an MVP candidate so far. Yeah, for sure. So those were the two starting guard spots for the Eastern Conference All-Stars, bringing us into the first forward spot. And this, honestly, the forwards are, are the no-brainers. Like we didn't even have to think twice about agreeing on these. The first forward spot, and if you have any question or doubt that this man should be an all-star, then you clearly have no business watching basketball. It's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, I mean, what more to say? I mean, he is the the best player in the conference by far. You know, this season, he's showing you... Uh, well, I would put Giannis next to him, but it's them too, I would it's, say. It's them too, for sure. But Kevin Durant definitely is kind of returning back into what we... His MVP form, I think, in terms of he's now the, currently the scoring leader in the NBA... He's, you know, doing what he does on a nightly basis. Again, we were, we had the privilege of seeing Kevin Durant play in person, and he just makes everything look easy, man. Like, the guy, he's averaging 29.8 points per game, which I think he can probably average more if he wants to. 7.7 rebounds. He can always average more if he wants to. He can always honest. do That's, that. He can always do that. Yeah. 7.7 7 rebounds per game, 5.8 assists per game, shooting 51.8% from the field and 36% from three. Percentages are insane. The numbers are insane. Kevin Durant is... An insane and amazing player. Like, Again, the greatest scoring talent we've ever seen, in my opinion. The guy can yeah. get buckets so easily. Like, it's Whenever absolutely insane. It's automatic. Whenever Kevin Durant wants to score, he will do it. And we saw it firsthand. Uh, yeah, it was... Dude, like, Kevin Durant's just insane. Like, we don't even have to spend that much time on it. It's Kevin freaking Durant. Yeah. Uh, which brings us into the next no-brainer in the forward spot. It's uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, again, not much more to say. He is one of the top two, top three players in the conference, even in the, in the league, actually. And he won. He was in the All Star game last year. Uh, he won the. He won a championship last year, like Finals MVP. Finals MVP, and the Bucks are still one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. And Giannis is again doing his thing. Twenty eight points per game, eleven rebounds, six assists. The playmaking is definitely up this season for Giannis. Shooting 54% from the field, 28% from three. But hey, he's taking threes, unlike Ben Simmons. <laughs> but again, nothing more to say. Giannis is one of the best in the conference, and he should for sure be a, a starting lock for the starting lineup. Again, he's once again in the MVP conversation. He's oh, yeah. once again in the DPOY conversation. Um, this guy has basically become, I would say, what LeBron was early in his career, which is 
just that next guy who's going to take the mantle, I think, from LeBron. And especially, you know, that guy who's just so great on a daily basis that we just, like, overlook at, at times. Yeah. Because, like, dude, like, the reason why he didn't get MVP last year, in all honesty, is because of the fact that nobody wanted to give it to him because it would have been too boring at that. Yeah, who, who won MVP? Oh, Jokic, Jokic. Yeah. Again, Giannis could very well won MVP. Now, again, Jokic definitely deserved it, but Giannis's numbers were clearly MVP material. Um, and again, he's once again just doing the same thing he always does, which is just absolute greatness. Yeah, and it's insane where he's come from to what he is now, and he's still not even... I think he's just in his prime now, so which is insane. But speaking of, the last player who is... The last player of our starting lineup for the Eastern Conference, again, one of the no-brainers, it's Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, you can say what you want about his health and say what you want about how he is as a personality, but the reality is the guy is the best, one of the best centers in basketball right now. He Last season, he was a, definitely an MVP candidate the way he was playing, and this season is no different. Averaging 27 points per game. 10 rebounds, 4.4 assists, shooting 47.8% from the field, 38% from three, which is actually very good. And again, he's a two-way monster. Joel, can def- one of the best rim protectors in the league, uh, one of the best offensively talented bigs in the league. There isn't much that Joel Embiid can't do, which is the reason why he's so great when he's healthy. The only caveat on Joel Embiid is his health. That's it. If that wasn't a, uh, you know, a negative for him, the guy would be... A consummate MVP winner. Yeah, this guy is like the biggest dude in the league, and for his size, he's the most skilled player at his size, right? You, do, especially if you look at this season, it seems like he, I don't know what the stats say, but it seems like he's a lot better on his jumpers as well. Like this guy's just making an insane amount of jumpers this season, um, especially from the mid range, you know, post fadeaways. Uh, you know, hooks, whatever it is. Like, this guy is doing absolutely amazing. He scored 30 points in the last seven games straight, um, which I think he's about to tie a record if he makes it eight. And he's dominant, too. Like, the guy, like, you can't, you, you can't, it's so hard to defend him. Like, exactly. only certain players can defend, stop Joel Embiid. And Marcus Gasol is out of the league, unfortunately, yeah. at this point. So he's not one of them. Right? There's basically no one in the league, I think, that can defend Joel Embiid. Like you said, the only problem with Joel Embiid has always been his health. Unfortunately, he's never going to be able to control that. But in terms of Joel Embiid as a player, he's the, he's as good as it gets. He's definitely, he's vaulted himself into, you know, I think a top three MVP candidate as of right now. Um, he's gotten his team to the fifth seed in the East where they were struggling a little bit. Um, through that stretch, obviously, with protocols, this, uh, you know, the regular situation. And Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons as well. But, you know, they've won a bunch of games recently, and that's coincided with Joel Embiid playing at an MVP and historic level. Yeah, no doubt about it. Joel Embiid is going to be an all-star if he maintains his health. Uh, so those were our starting five. That was our all-star starting five for the Eastern Conference. Just to recap, James Harden and DeMar DeRozan are our two guards. Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid are our three forwards, which brings us into the bench for the all for the East All Stars and the first guard spot. And you can call this a homer pick, but I think he fully deserves it. It's Fred VanVleet. Fred VanVleet. Uh, I don't even know where to start with Fred VanVleet because I think he's been so deserving of this award in terms of the way he's carried himself, where he's come from as an undrafted player and built himself up to now he's a bona fide leader of the Raptors. And he's a big reason why the Raptors are, you know, we're on a, we're just on a six-game winning streak. 
and were performing to the way that they were. Like, he just won player of the week as well. Got his first triple-double. Got his first triple-double. Like, Fred has just been carrying the Raptors uh, for the... I, I would say the last couple of seasons, to be honest with you. He's averaging 22 points per game, 5 rebounds, 6.7 assists, shooting 44% from the field, 41% from 3, which is insane. And again, there's not much more you can say. Fred has become the leader, for the, the vocal leader for the Raptors. And he's really take, took that mantle from Kyle Lowry in terms of now being the leader on this team. And again, it's not like he's gotten any worse at anything. He's just gotten that much better, I think, especially from last year. You know, last year, a big point for him was his finishing. Um, that was an issue for him. So what did he do in the off-summer? He worked on his counters. Now he has a bona fide mid-range jumper. Um, when he does go to a rim, he's making it a lot more. And like you mentioned, 41% from three. This guy's not missing the ball at all. Factor in the, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of people were worried about him taking point guard duties 100% of the time. Um, he's looked very good in that role now. You know, we saw what he, he was that at Wichita State. He hasn't been that great as a point guard in the NBA, but this year he really took that next step forward. He's not turning over the ball that much, um, and he's getting those assists. He's getting guys involved. He's getting, you know, they're running that two-man game with Pascal Siakam, hitting Gary Trent, OG Ananobi on Scotty the wings. Scotty um, He has great chemistry with this big man and, and Precious Achua and Cam Birch. Right, so he's just doing everything for the Raptors, and that's a main reason why they're back within that top eight seed um, in the Eastern Conference. It's also the reason why Nick Nurse literally can't bench him at all. Exactly. <laughs> Basically, when he gets off the court is when you know the Raptors just die as a team. Pretty much. But again, Kyle Lowry had the same effect as well. So at least we have that to still remember Kyle Lowry for. But yeah, Fred VanVleet definitely deserves an All-Star spot, especially if the Raptors continue to climb up the standings in the way that they've done so far to start 2022. Bringing us into the second guard spot for the reserves. And this one, we did mention him earlier, but we're, we're going to give it to Zach Levine. Levine, I, I got to eat my words, man. I was never a believer in Zach Levine, but until last season or the season before that, I really started to really understand how good this guy has become. And this season, it just more so proves it. The guy is not only, he's not only, it's not just empty calories, it's not just empty points and empty stats anymore. His points are coming to winning. His three ball is is now elite now. He's now an elite level shooter. Uh, he's facilitating a little bit better now. He, de- defensively, we saw in the Olympics, is still is taking a step in the right direction. So overall, he's just becoming a better player, a winning player. He's averaging 26 points per game, about five rebounds per game, four assists, shooting 49% from the field and 41% from three. For Again, like I said, the number one seed at Chicago Bulls, the Bulls are the number one seed, and they have two guys averaging 26 points a game on their starting five in DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And that's such a one-two punch to throw at teams on top of Lonzo and Caruso being disruptors on de- defensively. It's just a balanced Bulls team, and Levine and DeMar playing the way they are only helps them, their chances of making a playoff run, to be honest with you. And again, both guys can finish the game, right? DeMar DeRozan's made, you know, um, a couple of game winners already this season. Zach Levine is very well capable of making game winners himself. Zach Levine is just, he's turned himself himself into, like you said, just a very good overall player, right? His playmaking has taken a huge step forward. Um, but again, his main role on the team is to score. And that's what he's done at an elite level. You talked about 41% from three. This guy doesn't miss the ball when he shoots. So... 
Zach Levine, he's just so deserving of an all-star spot at this point that like you can't overlook him, especially for the number one seeded Chicago Bulls. And as we know, like the top two or top three teams um, of each conference usually have like two players going to all-star games. Because so. it's deservedly so. Like you know, it's not just one guy; it's always a couple of guys who deserve to be, to be there and represent their team for the success they've had. But Levine is definitely one of those guys. Which brings us into the first forward spot for the reserves. And this spot, we're going to give it to Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat. Obviously, you know, Jimmy has had some concerns with health and staying healthy this season. But there's no doubt about it. Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the league. He is the the best player on the third-seeded Miami Heat team. And again, nobody will ever discredit what Jimmy Butler does. Averaging 23 points a game, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. 50% from the field, 25% from three, but Jimmy don't shoot threes. Uh, so, again, Jimmy Butler, he's one of the best defenders in the league. He's one of the best offensively gifted players in the league. One of the most clutch players, hardworking players. Again, there's not much more I can say, but either way, the Miami Heat are the third seed and they deserve an all-star representative. Might as well give it to your best player. Yeah, he's just been doing what he's been doing in Miami, to be honest. Leading them as their star player, like you mentioned, one of the best finishers in the game. Um, this guy does... It really pisses me off when, you know, for example, like the Raptors are playing the Heat because he doesn't do... It doesn't seem like he's doing that much in the th first three quarters. He's kind of just chilling. Until the fourth quarter happens and he just takes over the game. But he's just that type of player. Bro, and he's able to Bulls, do it. did that. Exactly. And Jimmy Butler's just turned himself into a very good um, pro uh, as a whole, you know? So... <clears throat> like you said, Miami, despite the injury uh, concerns that they've had, they've still managed to be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference and are definitely a dark horse um, contender, um, in my opinion. So Jimmy Butler, as their best player, definitely deserves to be in the All-Star game. Um, and, you know, his play backs it up. Yeah, for sure. Now, which brings us into the next forward <clears throat> spot of the reserves. And this is the one that people can argue I, but to be honest with you, when you look at the talent, when you're looking at the numbers, you can kind of understand where we're coming from here. And we're going to give the spot to Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Now, obviously, we're Raptor fans. Y'all know this. But we can still respect the fact that Jason Tatum is one of the best players, one of the best young players in the league, one of the best talents that we have in terms of a guy that comes in, he can purely score the ball from all three levels. He's big. He can defend. He's coachable. And again, the Celtics haven't had the greatest season in terms of their standards, but in terms of individually, Tatum's been doing his part. He's averaging 25 points a game, 8 rebounds, 3.7 assists, shooting 41% from the field, 32% from 3. But again, the numbers speak for themselves. The talent is, is, is there. Um, you know, the defensive abilities are there. Everything that you want out of a, out of a capable wing player, Jason Tatum has. And... Yeah, Tatum's been, I wouldn't say great. He's been good, though. Um, it's just the Celtics as a whole have just been terrible, to be honest. Um, Tatum, unfortunately, hasn't played his best. And, you know, that does hurt him, I think. Um, especially in his case for All-Star. You know, I, I don't think every, I don't think he's a unanimous All-Star pick, exactly. in my opinion. But the numbers, like you said, speak for themselves. Um, he's still doing his thing for the most part. The three-point shot has kind of just fallen off a cliff. And that's kind of been the case for the whole Celtics team. You know, they, they've been one of the worst shooting teams in NBA history, to be honest. Um, but Jason Tatum is still doing his thing. 
um, being a two-way beast, uh, you know, finishing games for the Boston Celtics, hitting those clutch shots. So he's still very much doing his thing. It's just it hasn't been on the level that we expected Jason Tatum would play at, and especially for the Boston Celtics, who look to him as their best player. Um, but again, like I said, it's still good enough to warrant an all-star selection. Uh, and, you know, whatever you want to say about the Celtics' struggle this season and Jason Tatum's struggles this season, his numbers are still good enough for an all-star selection. Yeah, like this forward spot is kind of, I guess, debatable. You can kind of give it to Tatum. The other guys you can probably throw this to as well, like maybe a name that obviously com- that comes to mind is Pascal Siakam, although unlikely. But again, there are different names that people can float out here. But we decided to give it to Jason Tatum solely based off the numbers and the fact that he's just he's one of the best players in the conference. Moving us on into the final forward spot uh, of the reserves, we're going to give it to a first-time All-Star, and we're going to give it to a team that has honestly surprised everyone this season, and a lot of it has to do with this man's play. He's the most underrated signing of the offseason, and, dude, this guy's going to have a bright future. And we're talking about Jared Allen of the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, Jared Allen, the numbers aren't going to blow anybody away. But the fact of the matter is, I think he gets the same amount of respect that we give to Rudy Gobert when we're talking about all-stars or accolades and stuff like that. The numbers aren't going to be there, but his impact, that's what you got to focus on. Jared Allen's averaging about 17 points per game, 11 rebounds, almost 2 assists, shooting almost 70% from the field, and 12.5% from 3. Again, he still shoots them. Freaking Ben Simmons. Um, But... The re- but the Cavs are currently the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. They were actually higher than that before all the COVID stuff kind of started and happening. And injuries. And injuries and whatnot. But there's one consistency that the Cavs have had, and that's Jared Allen. He's been their anchor defensively. Him and Evan Mobley have honestly been such a two-headed monster defensively. Baby Twin Towers. Yeah, I guess so, man. Like, they're both thin as hell, though. But still, Jared Allen, not only has he improved his offensive game in terms of now he can kind of stretch the floor with that mid-range... He still grabs rebounds, and again, he's such a presence defensively. The guy will deter anyone away from the rim, and he's such been such a good shot blocker for the, the Cavs, and I think that has really unlocked everything, you know? It now allows guys like Darius Garland to kind of be who they are defensively, you know, and have that trust that, you know, you got the big fella back there. If your man blows by you, he's there to clean up any of, any of the mess. And that's what we wanted We wanted to see out of Jared Allen. You know, he's such an underrated signing. And if I'm Brooklyn, I actually regret trading him, to be honest with you. Because this is the type of player that could help you win a championship. Well, I mean, I don't think I would regret trading for James Harden. But Jared Allen, no doubt, is definitely a great player and a much improved player and a, much, uh, a great up-and-coming player. Um, like you mentioned, right, guys like Darius Garland don't have to worry about getting blown by or getting, you know, pushed out of the way. They can play aggressive defense because they know a guy like Jared Allen, um, you know, a guy like Evan Mobley are back there. When we talk about guys like Kevin Love and Larry Markinen playing significant minutes along those two other guys, you would have never thought it would work, right? Especially in the modern NBA. But the reason why it's worked is because of those two guys, um, particularly Jared Allen, who's been, a you know, a holdover from last season. Right, so Jared Allen has just been great. Um, he serves, like you said, as their defensive anchor. He just blocks everything that comes to him at the rim. And then offensively, he's gonna be his own, you know, his regular lob threat. Um, he's gonna finish, 
you know, plays in front of the rim. But like you mentioned, he's added that mid-range jumper in his game. Um, he's added his ability to dribble into his game. And, you know, that's what's made this Cleveland team be able to work. Because like we said, you wouldn't expect it with basically four, um, you know, four big guys playing significant minutes in the rotation. Uh, with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, and Larry Markkinen. But all four of those guys have managed to make it work because of the fact that, you know, they're all very, especially Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are all, they're very agile. They're very, um, you know, fluid on the court. So they're able to do a lot of things. And for a team that surprised everyone and being as good as they have, they definitely deserve, um, you know, a representative at the All-Star game. So, you know, some people have Darius Garland in there. We had to go with Fred Van Vliet as one of our guards, but I would say Jared Allen definitely deserves to make the cut as well. Yeah, also, like again, like there's a lot more guards than there are forwards uh, deserving in, in terms of that. So that's why Jared Allen obviously had more of an opportunity to get in over Darius Garland. But again, he could Darius Garland could very well be the next name that we mentioned in the wildcard spots. Bringing us into our first wildcard spot for the Eastern Conference. This is one, again, you can debate this however way you want to. I know I have my own argument for against this pick but again I can understand why he would get consideration and we're talking about Trey Young now the Atlanta Hawks by all accounts have had a very bad season in terms of where they were last season making it to the playoffs winning around getting all the way to the conference finals for crying out loud to now being the 13th seed in the Eastern Conference it's pretty disappointing to see how they have fallen this season but Trey Young is still being doing his thing his best to keep them afloat, averaging about 28 points per game, four rebounds, nine point six assists, shooting 45% of the field, 37 37% from three. The numbers are still there. Trey Young still does his thing with his numbers. And Zishan also mentioned it to me that when Trey Young is on the court, they're like a top six team in the league. When he's off the court, they're like a bottom two, bottom they're the, they're the worst team in the league pretty, without him. Pretty much, which is very surprising considering the amount of talent that they actually have. But again, Trey Young does definitely make an impact on this team. Now, for me in particular, I like to consider reward teams that have good records besides just, you know, awarding an individual player. Because again, that does matter. You know, if, you're, if your numbers are contributing to winning, I think you deserve to be an all-star. But again, the numbers here don't lie either. The numbers do play a factor into, into an all-star selection. And again, like it's it's the it's the you know the whole that was what Bradley Beal was facing for a couple of years as well, and again probably this year as well, right? It's where do we draw the line between you know team success and a guy is just so good by himself that he has to get into the All Star game? I think Trey Young is a great example of that. You know his team is sucked, but Trey Young is being so good that you can't just like pass him over for the All Star game, especially when you you know like how you mentioned. Um, they've been a decent team when he's on the court, and when he steps off the court, they completely crumble. And that's not really Trey Young's fault. And, you know, as a result, I think he definitely deserves to be an all-star just based on how good he has been, um, despite the lack of help he's had around him. Yeah, but I, I can definitely see a guy like Darius Garland, for instance, getting into this spot. But again, we're, we're going to have to wait and see. Trey Young is our, is our, is our official pick. But we'll see what happens. But bringing us to our final All Star Eastern Conference All Star spot, it's the last wild card spot, and we're gonna give it to Bradley Beal. 
Uh, Bradley Beal currently averaging 24 points per game, around 5 rebounds, 6 assists, shooting 45% from the field, 29% from 3. The 3-point shot has not been kind to Bradley Beal this season. Um, but again, Bradley Beal has always been that great player, you know, in terms of, like, he, he, he individually, he's such a great player. And this season, the Wizards actually look like a competent team. And until they start losing. Until like they start we losing, called. Like, like we did predict. But... Again, when you're talking about a play, an all-star deserving player, I think Bradley Beal's name should always be in that conversation. Again, it could be argued you can put another name or two up here instead of Bradley Beal, but we're going to go with Bradley Beal simply because, again, the guy has been consistently good for the last, I don't know how many seasons now. The guy has been so consistent, and he's had to put up with a lot, man. Like His teams have not been great, and yet he's still deciding to stay here. Like. I don't know what's wrong with Bradley Beal. I think he would should have asked out a while ago, but I mean it could still happen. But Bradley Beal is being Bradley Beal. You know the three point shot hasn't been great. It seems to be a trend this season. Actually, this season has I think been the worst three point shooting season in a while um, for everyone. But you know Bradley Beal minus the three point shot is still being relatively the same guy. Um, he's taken a, a, a renewed approach to defense. He even talked about. How Wes Unsell Jr., um, you know, came to him in the beginning of season or before the season started and talked to Bradley Beal about, like, yo, where was that two-way guy that we saw in his first, you know, couple of seasons? That guy doesn't exist anymore. And Bradley Beal talked about how that really lit a fire under him to be that two-way guy once again. And he's taking a a whole new approach to defense. Um, Obviously, as expected, the offensive numbers were going to drop because of that. But the Wizards have been a much better team, especially, you know, if you don't take into account these this last stretch. They're um, more balanced, I think. They're, they're not, definitely more balanced. They're getting more scoring from different members of the roster, and that's something they never had before. Like, if Bradley Beal was, was on the bench, then literally everything fell apart. At least now you got a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie who can take some of the load. Uh, Kyle Kuzma when he's not screwing around. Uh, you know, Montrez Harrell. You know, so then now they got some pieces that can kind of... You know, alleviate some of the scoring. And they're not a garbage defensive team as they have been under Scott Brooks for the past number of years, right? They've actually been a all right defensive team. In the beginning, they were the best team, uh, defensive team in the league, right? But Bradley Beal for himself has been, I think, an all-star once again. Um, The numbers aren't as great as his regular Bradley Beal numbers. But, you know, with him playing a lot more defense now, um, and the Wizards as a whole not needing to rely completely on him, um, I think he definitely deserves an all-star nod. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, just to, just to end off, you know, a couple of honorable mention names, names that we, we thought about. Pascal Siakam is one of them. Nikola Vucevic is another one. Demontis Sabonis is one of the names that we that we had floating around. Even a guy like Jalen Brown, Drew Darius Holiday. Garland. Darius Garland. Like, these are a few names that obviously still could get in, but in terms of what the, the the qualities that we are looking for in terms of who we were predicting to be all stars? Lamelo Ball. Oh, Lamelo Ball is another one. You know, we felt like the the players that we named off uh, on our official list are the players that we have the most likely chance of becoming all stars this season. Just to recap, our all star reserves for the Eastern Conference: we have Fred VanVleet and Zach Levine as our two guards, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Jared Allen as our three forwards, and Trey Young and Bradley Beal as our two wild cards. So those were our Eastern Conference All-Star picks. Definitely let us know what you guys think on social media or the comment section on YouTube on what you think. Do you agree or disagree? Who do you think is going to be uh, a first-time All-Star or is going to be an All-Star this year? 
uh, for their respective teams. Stay tuned for our Western Conference episode. Yep, Western Conference episode will be coming up uh, in the next one, next week's episode for sure. Bringing us finally into the up and under segment for this week. Obviously, COVID has dominated the news for the last week or two. So we're deciding to, you know, to not focus on COVID on something for, for once. But first off, are you up or under on Blazers head coach Chauncey Billups? Says Kyrie Irving, who actually played an NBA game this season, by the way. And again, people were shocked that the Kyrie Irving, you know, dropped 22 points. I'm like, the guy's been sitting at, you know, he's been, you know, he's been sitting at, we knew he was a talented player. Like the guy, I mean, Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving, bro. Like, he's one of the best players in the league for a reason. Like, did you think you would just forget how to play basketball? Like, no, but but Kyrie Irving played an NBA game, and Chauncey Billups says that Kyrie Irving is the most skilled point guard in NBA history. Are you up or under on it? I'm under because, I don't know, there's been a lot of great players, but in my opinion, he's definitely up there. When I, t- when I think about skilled players, I think of guys like MJ, uh, of Kobe, um, you know, LeBron, KD, and especially in this new era of NBA basketball, definitely a guy like Kyrie Irving is up there. Chris Paul is another one that comes off the top of my head. But Kyrie Irving is no doubt one of the most skilled players in NBA history. He's the best ball handler in NBA history, in my opinion. Um, he's one of the best shooters the league has ever seen. And he's one of the best finishers the league has ever seen. I think he's the best finisher for his height the league has ever seen. I, I haven't seen a finisher at his height with play any, the way he does. It's insane how he finishes. With any hand and with, with like... The amount of control that he has, you know, kind of an insider secret. The reason kind of why we, lo- we love the name Up and Under was because of Kyrie. Because he made that move look so amazing every time he did it. So, that's just an insider secret. But yeah, no, Kyrie Irving is definitely one of the most talented players to play in the league. Now, is he the, the most skilled point guard to play in NBA history? That's yet to be seen. You know, when you have guys like Magic Johnson, John Stockton, Steve Nash, Chris Paul. Like, all these guys have played before, and they all were talented in their own right. Hey, shout out Pistol Pete. Shout out Pistol Pete. Like, Isaiah Thomas is another one. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas. So, again, there were just so many talented point guards that, like, putting him as the best is a little disrespectful to the other guys. But, again, he's definitely up there in terms of one of the most talented uh, players or one of the most talented point guards in NBA history, for sure. Yeah, next up, are you up or under on the Hawks' is John Collins being frustrated with his role? No, this is not deja vu. No, this is not a repeat. This is a uh, new article or a new piece of news. So are you up or under on this? Yo, I'm under, bro. I'm like, what are you complaining about now? Like, you, you complained last year about your role until you started winning and until they started feeding you the ball so you can get paid. And now you got paid, you got your money, but now your team is doing shit and you're not helping your team. But now you're complaining. So now I'm like, well, what do you want the Hawks to do now? They've already locked you up. They're not going to, like, nobody's going to trade for you now. You're playing like garbage and you're not. Nah, I, I, okay, I disagree with that. He's being very good. Yeah. I, I I don't say he's garbage. Okay. He's being very good. Listen, nobody's going to trade for him now that he, he's on a big contract and it's going to be difficult to, to move him. So what do you, I don't know what he wants now. Like, him complaining about his role doesn't help his team get better, which is the, my issue with it. Listen, in fairness to John Collins... I understand why he's frustrated because of the fact that his numbers are so efficient that he definitely deserves more touches. Um, and he definitely deserves a bigger role. So I, I understand where he's coming from. The thing is, like, how much better is that going to make the Hawks? Right? That That's the question of it. Because he fits so well within their system for what he does. If you try to force feed him the ball, will that make them better? Now, obviously, he can definitely do it because of the fact that, like I said, his efficiency is off the charts. 
right? So that definitely means he can take more shots, get the ball more. Um, but, you know, it's it's the question of how much better will that make the Hawks? Again, like John Collins, like, dude, you signed the extension already. So you kind of, there's not really much room to talk, but I, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle of this. Outfit. Listen, I called this in the offseason when, they, when the, the Hawks kind of signed all these guys and really locked in this core after only one good playoff run. There's risk involved in that. Like, you can definitely say, oh, you know, we have a corner, we have guys. But how good are these guys together? And I think the Hawks are starting to realize that maybe we kind of jumped the gun a little too early instead of letting some of these guys prove how good they can be as a collective beforehand. But we'll see what happens with the Hawks and John Collins. Finally, are you up or under on the Phoenix Suns signing Bismack Biombo uh, for the remainder of the season and the Pacers signing Lance Stevenson with his air guitar and all that? For the rest of the season. I'm up on it, man. Both guys have been are back in the league after, you know, being out for a minute. Yo, shout out Bismack, yo. Shout out Bismack. Um, and both guys have played great. Now, Bismack Biombo, we know what he is when he plays with a great point guard. Like he did with Kyle Lowry. And now he's playing with Chris Paul. Now he's playing with Chris <laughs> Paul. Um, what was it? Like his first or second game back, he had like damn near a 2020 game or something. Bro, it's Like, bro, Bismack Biombo has looked very good for the Phoenix Suns. The only issue for them is that they have like a million centers, um, which they've kind of needed because of the fact that like all of their centers have been either protocol cheesed out or uh, injured, right? And you talk about yeah. DA, uh, Dario Saric. Is Frank Kaminsky still on the roster? I think, I think so. he's still on the roster. Um, Jalen Smith, uh, now Bismack Biombo, JaVale, JaVale McGee as well. So they have a lot of centers, but I mean, they've kind of they they've needed, needed him. him, right? So... It'll be interesting to see what happens when all of these guys hopefully come back. Um, but again, Bismack Biombo, show Bismack Biombo, and then Lance Stevenson. His first game back, he scored like twenty points in like the second quarter. Bro, shout out Lance Stevenson, bro. This man would just get off his couch, bro. And I love, I love his hesitation move where it's like he just looks like he's skipping it. Bro, Lance Stevenson is one of the. I mean, this guy's an all-star on the Indiana Pacers. Now, when he goes elsewhere, it's kind of not great. But it seems that whenever he puts that Pacers uniform on, he loves the he's Pacers. Just good, bro. He's good. He loves playing for the Pacers, man. Like, and again, I, I I can't even complain. I love seeing him back, man. I love seeing the air guitar, but bro, he's such a great personality to bring back to the league. That that's the one benefit that COVID actually did is allow some of these guys who we thought were done to give another chance to come back. Like shout out Joe Johnson, Gerald Green just he said he's coming back as well. Yeah, uh, Mario Chalmers was given an opportunity. He's like all these guys. We're able to come back, which is, again, like the only silver lining to this whole situation um, that we saw, we got to see a lot of good players be able to get their chance once again. Yeah, for sure. And again, some of these G League guys as well who weren't supposed to get opportunities like this are now getting opportunities to show what they can do in the NBA and earn more contracts with them in the future. But definitely a great thing, to ha- a great silver lining to come out of the whole COVID situation. And with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, YouTube. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at up, letter N, under podcast. Facebook.com slash up and under podcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or a reaction to news as they occur. Definitely check that out if you haven't done so. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's a central hub for the show. It's a place where we write blog posts with every single episode. And stay tuned. We will be updating the site very soon. So there are going to be some changes in the horizon, as there will be with 2022. 
We're going to be making more improvements and making the show even better for the new year. So definitely stay tuned for that. And yeah, stay tuned next week for the Western Conference uh, All-Star Picks. Uh, I believe that one's going to be a lot more entertaining in terms of there's going to be a lot more debate on who we can put in, who, a lot more first-time All-Stars potentially. Yeah. And so that so definitely stay tuned for that one. But yeah, man, we're already in January and the season is still rolling. Somehow the season is still going <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, man, we're in January. All-Star break is coming up. Trade deadline's coming up. So a lot more things to come. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you guys all in the next one. Take it easy. Easy.